and that bypasses the triple chin guy with the fancy suit. Now, uh, also people get disburned by people with computers and passed around at meetings and they don't uh, have computers themselves to play on their CD players. You can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. P3E4N1. And then we'll go into the barrage of news that's come out as we chronicle it for future use for those we hope to come after us. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. There's a, a video getting passed around, a link to a video about uh, Lord Monckton. Monckton is a British peer, as they call him, a hereditary peer, a lord, who give, is giving speeches in the U.S. And he was speaking to a Christian audience in the States, and he came out with uh, the agenda, really, for for this whole deal on climate change in the Copenhagen Agreement or the Stockholm Agreement or whatever agreement they're passing in December, which literally is a binding treaty on all countries uh, that's going to bring us all down to third world status. And also gives, as I've said before, the whole point of it is to bring in this new world system where we'll be governed from birth to death. We won't make any decisions ourselves. It's as bad as that, really. It literally is that. How much you can eat, how much you... You, uh, um, fuel you can use to heat yourself uh, all that kind of stuff is going to be part of this it's literally the totalitarian system and it's all, it all hinges on this thing passing which to me is a done deal because uh, you see we're not run by um, individual countries at all and they put their boys at the top of all the countries in the west over the last 50 years or so and they're all in place now that's why the steam is rolling ahead I've said before when you make a plan, you don't just say, when you plant some potatoes, first you've got to look at the fields or the area, clear it, and do an awful lot of uh, work in preparation for it. And then you plant once everything's completed, and not before. Well, these guys have done their work because they work Fabian style, intergenerationally, and now it's time to bring in the world system. But it literally all hinges on this main treaty being signed. And the fear, propaganda, and it's just propaganda, has been stepped up. I've read articles before, when they, every time they go for one of these treaties to do with the climate change and deeper integration of a world system to govern it all, they always print in advance that they've told their members to create fear and panic amongst the people. And that's exactly what they do. They're unabashed liars, but uh, that's their job, is to terrify the people into sitting back and allow them to go ahead to save us all. It's always to save us right, that we end under the boots. Big boots. You know, the big jack boots. And, and this is done over and over again. And here it comes. Uh, exactly what they've all been told is always... It's amazing when you can read the stuff telling them to do this and then you see it in the paper. You wonder who is running the show, really. It's not the politicians, obviously. They're just they're little gophers that do what they're told. Well chosen, mind you and completely dependable by, by their master's point of view. 
This article is on Brown, the, the British one. Uh, they're doing the same in the States and everywhere else and in Canada. Uh, and this is from the BBC version. It's all over the newspapers. This is the BBC version, and this is from the 18th of October. Prime Minister warns of climate catastrophe. See, this is your, is your, is your overstating, you know, utter nonsense. Panic the people. The UK faces a cat- catastrophe of floods, catastrophe of floods, droughts, and killer heat waves. If world leaders fail to agree on a deal on climate change, the Prime Minister will warn, at least in Britain, the, the guys who write the scripts for the Prime Minister get them out to the BBC first. You see, uh, technically I would do away with the Prime Minister and I would just put this, the unelected scriptwriter as the boss because that's really who does it. He's, he's, he knows what to do. He's got a higher authority guiding him. It says, Gordon Brown is to address the major economics forum in London which brings together 17 of the world's biggest greenhouse gas-emitting countries. Even, I hate even reading their terms, but it's all... Yes, which is bothersome stuff. Each time we repeat it, it becomes more concrete. It's an abstract idea. It's someone's idea. Dreamed up at the Club of Rome and printed as such in their own book, The First Global Revolution. Uh, they, they admit they came up with this scam to unite the world. Anyway, Mr. Brown will say there will be no plan B if agreement is not reached at December's UN summit in Copenhagen. Negotiators have 50 days to save the world from global warming. Maybe 50. Can you imagine? Can you imagine any politician saving anything, except he's behind, yeah. and a few million from the coffers of the public from himself? Can you imagine him actually saving anything for the world? These sharks. <laughs> Says here, rising wave. The Copenhagen summit in December is intended to produce a new global climate change deal to replace the aging Kyoto Treaty. But BBC Deputy Political Editor James Landale said that not everything was going to plan. (gasps) At the meeting in London, the Prime Minister will warn that preparatory talks within the United Nations have reached an impasse. Negotiators, he will say, I love how the Prince negotiators, why bother having Brown read it at all, eh? (laughs) Well, I guess they have to do something to pretend he works. Negotiators, he will say, are not reaching agreement quickly enough. In Britain, we face the prospect of more frequent droughts and a rising wave of floods. Mr. Brown is expected to tell delegates, which is comical, the extraordinary summer heat wave of 2003 in Europe resulted in over 35,000 extra deaths. That's a rubbish. What a rubbish. It's just like the flu deaths. They came up with the same stats all the time. On current trends, such an event could become quite routine in Britain in just a few decades' time, even though we're in the cooling phase, right? And within the lifetime of our children and grandchildren, the intense temperatures of 2003 could become the average temperature experienced throughout much of Europe. If a deal, you know, when my, my parents were young, uh, they used to go around the streets, like most of the youngsters did, with bare feet in the summer. And it got so hot that the tar, tarmac, would melt on the roads and stick to their feet. You see, we, we go up and down like a yo-yo. We always do, up and down, back and forth, back and forth, like a yo-yo. That's how nature is, you see. Anyway, he will tell the meeting that 2080, by 2080, oh, an extra 1.8 billion people, a quarter of the world's current population, could lack sufficient water. Well, we will because there's going to be one water company for the planet under the, the, the auspices of the United Nations. That is the agenda, and they'll be restricting it, you see, to control you. 
Mr. Brown will say, it says here, if we do not reach a deal at this time, let us be in no doubt once the damage from unchecked emissions growth is done, no retrospective global agreement in some future period can undo that choice. So we should never allow ourselves to lose sight of the Fabian catastrophe. I added that part. We face if present warming trends continue. And he is a member of the Fabian Society. You've got to look into it and their big plans. Agreement at Copenhagen is possible. He will conclude, even goes right through the end of it before he reads it to the public. Commitment's unlikely, but we must frankly face the plain fact that our negotiators are not getting to agreement quickly enough. So I believe that leaders must engage directly to break the impasse. In other words, they want to terrify the public and will sit back and want to say, yes, you're now under totalitarian control. We've saved you. We'll breathe a sigh of relief. That's the simple technique of this kind of propaganda. Very simple. But as I say, I've read the articles from the UN and from the, the group that deal with this climate change nonsense, and they do t- admit that they tell them all to put out these terrifying, uh, vastly over, uh, overstated uh, catastrophe scenarios to scare the public. Can you believe they do this? So, you know, they do it with everything. Terrorism is another one, too. You know, So many things keep the public terrified so they can step in with their totalitarian measures for their old, old plan of a particular controlled new Soviet-type world government. But as I say, I'll also put this up and uh, the, the link to the video by Lord Moncton. Now, I couldn't see the video. You see, I'm on ExplorNet, the one that's constantly advertising all over mainstream newspapers. If you've got slow dial-up, use ExplorNet high speed. And I used it, and I could only get a four-minute clip. There's a four-minute clip, and then there's the, the whole 90-minute um, speech he gives. Very good. Listen to it. And uh, in the four-minute clip I got, I only got the audio, by the way, somehow. They, the Explorinate cut me off with a video. And uh, I got six words before they always freeze me for another minute or two. And then I'd, but I managed to piece the bits together in my head as to what was getting said. And he tells you how bad it is, uh, that this, this whole agenda. But there's new, and he calls it the world uh, communistic agenda, too, because it is. And it's not run by people at the bottom, laborers or masses. It's run by very rich, rich people, as we all know. And he just says it like it is. So that's Lord Moncton that, uh, that gives this speech. Now, what's interesting, too, is that how everything in the mainstream media is so part of government. It's an arm of government. Because, after all, We've been trained to believe the media and get a reality from whatever they say. Uh, you, you, you could never let, and it's never from the beginning, there never, I don't think, ever was a free press. But at least when I was small, uh, even adults had, had, were, were very suspicious of big newspapers and magnets because they knew they were all to do, they're all owned by uh, barons, media barons, stinking rich guys. They were ruthless to get, uh, and he knew darn well there was a big organization behind these barns to make them, to protect them, to get them up there. And they'd have dozens and hundreds sometimes of, of newspapers and periodicals under their belt to make sure that they standardized the same kind of news, and you think that was reality. But unfortunately today, like Brzezinski said, people have been trained, he was all for it, mind you, they've been trained for, uh, to believe the news and to, to believe that somehow it's part of, of your own reasoning. 
It's, the, it's, a, it's an appendage to your brain to do your reasoning for you. We, people really believe that. They'll believe, believe nothing, even what they see themselves, unless it's on the news. Yeah. I always say to people, go and watch the movie Wag the Dog. Excellent portrayal in a comical fashion of how it's really done. There's a site up there, it's a, it's a zombie, I think it's zombie.com or dog, but it's, it's quite good. It has, it has all the quotes, a lot of quotes from uh, John Holdren's book, Eco-Science, to do with sterilizing the public, forced abortions, etc. And I'll put this link up too for you to go through. It'll save you a lot of time. And uh, it's, it's authentic. There's no guessing involved here. These are the guys who've been put into power for this particular time back after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, showing you that uh, nothing really just happens by chance. Nothing really has, even before 9-11-2001. Uh, we've been guided up to this point over a long, long period of Fabian planning, massive planning, um, to bring in a world system, a collectivist world system, as they say in their, all their own writings. The same as the Club of Rome says they choose the collectivist system over any other system, which means communistic system, massive bureaucracies, government agencies running uh, the people and micromanaging the people's lives. That's what we're seeing coming in. That's what the whole New World Order is all about, really. But uh, we're presented with things on television, and to the average person, everything is separate. You know, the, the financial crash is separate. It's nothing to do with anything else, even though... Uh, all the big boys themselves have said in the newspapers that this could actually help us bring in the IMF to its proper status as the, the big distributor of currency and handler of currency across the whole planet. Everything's done for a purpose at the right time. And they could pull the plug any time they want on anything, anything at all. And it was set up that way. They've never changed the system so they can always do it again over and over and over. I've said that since uh, I've been on the air. They never ever change that system because they want to use it over and over and over again. It's great to plunder the public every few years and rob them of, of you allow them to accumulate, then you rob them. That's what you do. And this has been on forever, really. But even the presentation by Michael Moore is on every. I only get about three TV stations with my rabbit ears up here in Ontario, and. Um, this massive uh, expose on him uh, as the, you know, the man who speaks for the masses for the proletariat and there he is you know it's all waddling around um, following his script obviously and everything he says it ties in environment and, and work and all, all, all on board with this whole agenda we need a new system altogether he says we need a new system and most folk think, again, he's just an individual activist. But who runs him? Who runs this man? And it was, it was said recently who his agent was in Hollywood, who does all this stuff for him. His agent is Ari Emanuel. And Ari Emanuel, it says here, born March 29, 61, Chicago. He's a prominent American talent agent, they call it. That's a very polite way of saying something else. Founder of the Endeavor Agency in Beverly Hills, California, as well as co-CEO of William Morris Endeavor Entertainment, 
which turns over 275 to 300 million dollars. Here it presents Martin Scorsese, Jennifer Gardner, Jessica Alba, Larry David, Michael Moore, Jude Law, Matt Damon, Sisha Barron, and Cohen O'Brien, Mark Wahlberg, and others, and so on. And it says here, Racing Suburban Wilmette, Illinois, outside Chicago, Emmanuel is the brother of White House Chief of Staff, Ram Emanuel. Oh, 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 what coincidence. I'm shocked. So he's the brother of the White House cha- staff, uh, Ram Emanuel. This is the NIH bioethicist, Ezekiel J. Emanuel, and adopted sister, Shoshana Emanuel. His father, the Jerusalem-born Dr. Benjamin M. Emanuel, is a pediatrician who was active in the Ergun, which is Hebrew for an organization of Israeli freedom fighters. His mother, Marsha Emanuel, uh, her name is Smilovitz, was a civil rights activist in the U.S. and the one-time owner of a Chicago-area rock and roll club. They were on about being hyperactive and dyslectic and so on when he was young. She took him to train him in anti-war protests. He's a graduate of New Trier West High School, Manchester College in Minnesota, married to Sarah Addington, her three sons. Professional career. Now, he graduated from, from the college in 1983, played professional racquetball for a while. Uh, lived in Paris, New York City, then worked at Hollywood agencies and creative arts agency. And, and what he did with, with a few guys there, they robbed the place in the middle of the night and they were arrested for it. And with these guys, these fellow robbers, this organized criminal bunch, he went on to co-found Endeavor Talent Agency with his fellow late-night vigilantes. He's the guy who started the, this particular guy. He started the... Uh, uh, the campaign against uh, Mel Gibson uh, and it says here he's, he stood up and says um, he says people in the entertainment community whether Jew or gentle need to demonstrate that they understand how much is at stake in this profession by professionally shunning Mel Gibson and refusing to work with him even if it means a sacrifice to their bottom line I'm sure he'd sacrifice his cash right in 2007 Emmanuel publicly backed Chris Albrecht after Albrecht was fired from HBO for domestic violence arrest preceded by rumors of three elder incidents of violence against women. Emmanuel wrote, if Hollywood is going to give Mel Gibson a second chance and sports fans are going to cheer up stars like uh, Jason Kidd, Latrell Spewell, and Stephen Jackson, who made similar mistakes, why not Chris Albrecht? So he wants everybody to forgive Albrecht. Maybe that's something in common. Emmanuel later helped Albrecht land his next job at IMG. And it says, Ari Emanuel has hosted fundraisers for the Democratic Party. Then he goes on about another massive court uh, case that happened with Sandra, Sandra Epstein against the agency brought accusations by Epstein and other Endeavour employees against Emanuel. In the court finals, uh, filings, Emanuel is alleged to have allowed a friend, a friend of course, to operate a pornographic website out of Endeavour's offices. According to Epstein, Emanuel made racist and anti-gay remarks and prevented her from sending a script about Navy SEALs to actor Wesley Snipes, saying, this is what Ari said, this great humanitarian that stands up for everyone's rights except certain people. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He says, everyone knows that blacks don't swim. This is the guy, this is the guy, the brother of the, the same Emanuel that's in the White House today. Hmm. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix just finishing up there with uh, Michael Moore's agent another hypocrite uh, and uh, he's a man this is Emmanuel Ari Emmanuel who has a brother in the White House at this time or with all the other guys in the White House who are all uh, people think that they're just uh, left wing it's further beyond left wing there's much much more to it they all know each other. They all have an agenda. And uh, this is the guy who manages Michael Moore. That people think just come out on, on his own to do, you know, to be the voice of the proletariat. You know, that's the standard spiel to give. But it's always a different agenda, and it just falls on board with uh, uh, the present world agenda. Everybody's connected. Um, it's interesting, too, with, and everybody's heard this, I'm sure, October 19th, 2009, Spiegel Online. It's in another, I've got two links in two different German newspapers on this article. I'll put them both up, but it's called Second Class Medicine. Germans unhappy with alternative swine flu vaccine for the politicians. Now, I'm reading this, and keep in mind, every government in the West will be the same as this one. Guarantee you. It says, Germany is in uproar over the planned swine flu vaccination. Damage control is the name of the game in Berlin on Monday as politicians rush to deny that they are receiving a better, safer swine flu vaccine than ordinary Germans. The first of 50 million doses arrived in Germany on Monday. One might think the arrival in Germany of the first 50 million doses of swine flu vaccine on Monday might be cause for celebration. I don't know for whom, for the, the companies that make it, I suppose. But with news breaking over the weekend that top government officials in Berlin will be injected with an alternative vaccine, one widely seen as safer. A debate about an alleged two-class medical system has erupted like this is new anywhere. <laughs> over the weekend, reported Chancellor Angela Merkel, a number of her ministers and other government officials would receive a vaccine manufactured by the pharmaceutical company Baxter, the same vaccine that the German military opted for, as was reported last week. What they're looking for is something that doesn't have all the adjuvants that are pretty deadly, uh, and, and they've discussed this, or they know darn well what we've discussed about adjuvants and so on. So you get this, this old-fashioned type vaccine where they kind of kill a, a virus, a complete virus, and they don't put all these adjuvants in it, these weaponized stuff that weaponizes your immune system into overdrive. Uh, because in case anything happens, just in case anything goes wrong, you see, with the rest of the population, and they start killing over, the government and the military have to be in charge. That's the basic bottom line, so I won't read all the rest of it for you. But it's in that newspaper, it's in another one too. But as I say, every government, I guarantee you, is doing the same thing. They're not going to risk putting themselves under at the top. And the masters who rule them don't want them killing over either. You see, so this is, this is, this is how it really is. Probably know it, they might just get some, um, and they might not even know it, they might just get sterile water or, or, or saline and they'll think they've got a shot, you know, because there is no swine flu. If there's a swine flu, it'll be coming out with the, the live virus, uh, viruses they are spraying into people's nostrils. It's amazing, too, you know, and flu, uh, once you get you're past the prodromal phase and you're, you're literally um, sneezing out the viruses everywhere, you're over the thing in, in about three, four days, five days max. They tell you, on the, and I've read it before, if you get this um, flumist, they're calling it, the nasal spray, 
uh, you'll be spraying the virus and shedding it for 21 days. Well, why not just wait and see if you get the flu and you'll infect less people by coughing and sneezing if you really had it in three or four days. They want you to sneeze for 21 days, you see. Uh, uh, what should people could think, eh? And, the, yeah, this other article on the swine flu that supports this is, in, is called The Local, Germany's News in English. I'll put that one up there, too. Now, there's also uh, a petition going around. People can sign it, put their names on it, especially with science degrees, that, that has a lot of information, if you click their, their, their uh, links, to the nonsense on global climate change and global warming. And it's professors and PhDs and all the rest of it to do with science, denying that everyone's in consensus, as the UN keeps saying, oh, we're all in consensus, that this, this is definitely happening. No, there, no one's in consensus, except the ones they choose to be on their boards and their panels. Uh, and uh, this, these scientists, um, this side the site, don't like that at all, so they're, they're all putting their names down, and they're giving out the, the data, the alternative data, uh, that uh, negates all all the projections and global warming that is getting spewed out at the top. So I'll put this up for anyone who wants to sign it, and let's have some good luck with it. If nothing else, we can show them up uh, to the fact that there are multi-thousands of people well qualified who know it's all a fraud. Now, so much is happening, as I say. If you study the communist Fabiast system, it's a different. The Fabian Society didn't want sudden revolution, but the founders of the Fabian Society, according to even Trotsky's writings, had access to the Kremlin's desk. In other words, they were there all the time, getting inside reports from, from communism, and they watched the communist system very closely. But the Fabian technique was to do it intergenerationally, using uh, Bernays' techniques of altering the culture altering the culture without them even knowing it, that they're being managed, the culture was being altered and managed, including all the opinions you would eventually all share together. I can remember, again, when I was small, uh, I used to like visiting people in hills, like shepherds and people, things like that, things like that. People who didn't uh, have TV, um, they'd, have, they'd be pretty solitary people. They thought an awful lot, and they read a lot. They had books and, and classics and things. And uh, I used to call them characters because they'd often, if a topic was brought up, they'd hit you from left field with something you'd, or, or a direction about a topic you'd never thought of before. You had variety. So you had a variety. And you could see things from many, many different angles. Today, everyone has the same common understandings on every topic. And they all say the same things. The standardization of opinion is called We've all been trained scientifically. And we all think we're sane because we all have the same opinions on everything. Quite something. That was the Fabian technique, as I say, and they've done it. I mean, very, very successful to bring in a collectivist society under world governments run by experts and population control. All of that would be done, even their earlier writings. And they've been very successful. All the top characters now belong to the Royal Institute for International Affairs, connected to the Fabian Society, all these special branches of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. That's what they are, the specialized branches. And 
they also mentioned in their writings that they could use big corporations to bring in a sort of collectivist communist system. And we, again, most folk think that communism is, oh, there, there's a rabble in the streets with our flags, that's communism. No, communism was created and run and funded by the richest people on the planet. It's a totalitarian system. That's what it was done. Marx himself said, you know, that there'd be a dictatorship, a dictatorship over the public because the public were too dumb and stupid and ignorant to run themselves. That's what the Fabians believe. And we're watching it all happen. This article here is from the World Newser, it's called, and has to do with insurance companies. Insurance companies, and now this came out last week, I think October 15th. Insurance companies get sterilized and then will cover you. See, remember, getting back to what I just said, the big corporations. Remember also what Professor Carl Quigley said, who belongs to this group. He said, he was a historian for them, for the, for the Council on Foreign Relations dash Royal Institute of International Affairs. It's the same thing. He said, the new feudal system we're experts, and but he says it'd be primarily the CEOs of corporations ruling the world. They'll act like feudal overlords. Insurance companies get sterilized and then we'll cover you October 15th. When Peggy Robertson went shopping for a more affordable health insurance plan for her self-employed husband and two young boys, she ran into an unexpected problem. The birth of her son, Luke, in 2006 by cesarean section. The healthy young mother was shocked when the Golden Rule Insurance Company denied her coverage due to the C-section birth of her son. <clears throat> I called Golden Rule, and they said that if I would get sterilized, they would then be able to offer insurance to me. When Amanda Buchanan's husband got a job teaching in a rural school at a salary of $3,000 per year, the family was faced with a tough decision when it came to health care. To cover the entire family under her husband's group insurance policy would cost $760 a month which would take a big bite out of their yearly income. So Amanda went shopping for an individual insurance policy to, uh, to cover just her and the son. She, she found one for $280 a month, but it came with one very big deductible, a maternity deduction of $5,000. When Amanda purchased the policy, she was not planning to have another child, but several months later, her husband and I found ourselves discussing the possibility of a second child. Instead of an intimate conversation between the two of us about goals and family, I felt like there were actually three of us at the table, myself, my husband, and our insurance policy. I was very angry that an insurance company could set up a policy in a way that would either discourage women from getting pregnant, or if they did become pregnant, force them to pay for basically the entire cost of a typical pregnancy. Yep, you're getting punished if you have children, folks. And of course, the average person will read this like trivia, and they don't connect anything with anything. Everything to them out there is unrelated. Everything's unrelated. Now, even Obama's um, healthcare package has so much in it to do, and, and you will if you, they're going to increase, you're not going to pay insurance in the States for Obama's. It's not his plan, let's be honest. He's a front man for the big plan that they're bringing in. And uh, if you smoke, or drink or do anything like that. They want to know all these things and you'll pay extra insurance. You'll be punished and penalized for all the politically incorrect things, all the individualistic things that you do. You will get punished for it because this is the, we're all little children under this system, you understand? But just like the dogs that Pavlov had, you can be trained. Man is capable of being trained into any 
anything that the maker and the master wants them to be. That's the standard motto, basically. So this is Times Online, 19th of October. Homeowners face questions on alcohol and smoking under new mortgage rules. This is in the British version here. So if you want a house now, you've got to open up your whole life to them to, to get a mortgage. Homeowners could be forced to provide detailed information about the amount of money they spend on alcohol each month to qualify for a new mortgage under a new clampdown on reckless lending. Now, see how they, how they get away with it? They rob the public, and then they blame the public. But again, it's an agenda, isn't it? In a sweeping review of the mortgage market published today, the Financial Services Authority said lenders need to be far more rigorous about their financial checks of potential borrowers. It said lenders should develop, delve deeper into home buyers' personal spending, including the amount of money they spend on alcohol and tobacco. Spending on shoes, clothes, and childcare could also be assessed under a new industry-wide affordability test. Your whole life is going to be out in the open as you beg, as you beg for money to put a shell over your head. That's all your house is. You know what a house is? A house is a box with a lot of empty air in it. That's what a house is. And you'll never own it, even if you pay off that mortgage and live to pay off. That's what's called a mortgage, the, the length till you die, mort, death. And these crooks will gouge you and gouge you all through that mortgage, and you'll be worried sick for it to get this little shell that holds all that air there, and then the government taxes you on all the air inside. It depends how much air it can hold. That's how it's done. Everything is a rip-off. And we're taught to think it's all normal. They can teach the public to think anything is normal. Under the, the, all the different wildlife protection acts and the Earth Charter, every animal out there has the right to live. Even bacteria, according to them, even killer bacteria. Uh, but man has no rights at all. I mean, I'd rather be a turtle or a tortoise, but you can carry your own house with you like a caravan, you know. And no one tells him you're to pay money for that shell on your back there. Except us, we're the only idiots that think this is normal. And if you can't pay the taxes on it, they steal it. The, your government steals it. They kick you out and steal it. It's just a mafia, isn't it? It's a mafia. You pay your protection money so you can live in your shell, or they lean on you and throw you off in the street and take your house. That's called extortion, you see, extortion racket. Don't be fooled by terms. Oh, it's taxation, it's property. No, stealing and leaning on people who are trying to live and have the right to live is extortion. And we have the Great Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute for International Affairs for bringing out those policies. They were the guys who introduced the bills. It's in their own writings. And personal income tax, by the way. A long time ago. This guy, this guy in Britain, this, uh, I, I what unfortunate name, Ed, Ed Balls, his name is. Ed Balls. This guy is in head of, uh, head of all the educational uh, systems in Britain, and, and he really is a, a complete totalitarian. But it says here, Mail Online, 19th of October, fears for exhausted children as Ed Balls steps up the push to start schooling at four, four years of age. Remember I've read before about the writings of um, 
Lord Bertrand Russell, who started the schemes on experimental schools, who said if we can get the children young enough, especially kindergarten, he says um, any input from the parents on morality, behavior, ideas, will be overruled by the scientific indoctrination they get. Well, this is all part of that. It's time to bring in and get the children younger and younger so that they'll be starting off in kindergarten and then straight into school. Uh, there'll be no childhood at all, completely indoctrinated. And this is what this is all about. Parents will be encouraged to send, I'll have to put the phrase it, be encouraged to send their children to school at the age of four under a major shake-up of primary education. School Secretary Ed Balls wants younger Younger youngsters to start classes in September after their fourth birthday instead of waiting until the compulsory schooling age of five. The move comes despite a majority inquiry into primary education in England last week concluded that youngsters should not start formal learning until they were six. So this inquiry said they shouldn't really start until they were six, to be honest with you. And he's going for four because that's the Fabian agenda. It says here, this compulsory schooling age will remain, but Mr. Balls wants to change the mandatory school's admission code, which will effectively lower the starting age to four, as parents are, pressure, are pressured to enroll their children earlier. You've got to get them young. You see, the new society, all, you always go for the youth. You've got to get the young ones who haven't come to any opinions themselves yet and, and give them the, the correct opinions before they form their own. That's the way you can be sure of a controlled society. They're like clones of each other when they come out of that. Back with more after this break. ago, I can't remember the dire name of it, it was, um, it was with Robin Williams, and it was something about uh, a cutter, or a, like a film type cutter, but it was to do with an age uh, where people have got chips in their brains that record their whole life's memories, and when, he'd, when you die, he'd get this chip, and he'd have to splice all the good little bits as, as the child, up through the adult, saw things, little clips here and there for the funeral parlor basically to be shown then for the grieving people and I thought this is great predictive programming in that but it's also a great aid because they won't be happy till you do have a chip in you that does record everything in your life and that way you see you could never have a thought to yourself uh, they could always check out uh, if you, you're telling the truth or whatever no privacy you see in a totalitarian world that's successful the, the ultimate totalitarian world there can be no privacy even in your own mind. They must know everything, what you're thinking. And that movie, as I say, that uh, Robin Williams was in, was predictive programming. And folk don't remember the movie. They'll, they'll see these, these articles that they I'm going to read you. And this, this, will, this will make you think that this article seems, well, well, I guess it's, you know, it's kind of sensible, maybe inevitable. You've been programmed all along with everything. Hollywood is your main programmer with predictive programming. The idea is familiar, you don't think through it, can't remember where, but it seems familiar, and therefore it's obviously all right. It's uh, inevitable, you'll think. So I guess that was inevitable. So this article is from the New Scientist, uh, and it's from October uh, the 13th. 
think it was 2009, or 16th of October 2009. Your camera promises to capture your whole life. This is how they're going to train them in public. That they put some of their gadgets in it for the young to really go for them. A camera you can wear as a pendant to record every moment of your life will soon be launched by a UK-based firm. Oh, what a coincidence. Originally in- invented to help jog the memories of people. Oh, they always start with this stuff. With Alzheimer's disease, it might one day be used by consumers to create life logs that archive their entire lives. I wonder who would like that. I wonder who would benefit with that. Could it be the totalitarian government? Oh, goodness sakes, no. Worn on a cord around the neck, the camera takes pictures automatically as often as once every 30 seconds. It also uses an accelerometer and light sensors to snap an image when a person enters a new environment and an infrared sensor to take one when it detects the body heat of a person in front of the wearer. It can fit 30,000 images onto its one gigabyte memory. That's how they start off the idea, right? The Vicon Review it was originally developed as the SenseCam by Microsoft Research Cambridge UK for researchers studying Alzheimer's and other dementias. I guess living as an ordinary person is a dementia now. Studies showed that reviewing the events of the day using SenseCam photos could help some people improve long-term recall. That might save them when they're torturing you, you know. Did you do that? You, you, and you said, no. They said, well, that's not what we say here. We've got a, this camera here. This camera's recorded. Here's the truth here. Or it's in your brain chip. See, we say, pull that out, and there it is. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. And um, it says, that now, Vicom, based in UK, UK uh, Oxford, which specializes in motion capture technology for the movie industry, has licensed the technology for the camera from Microsoft and intends to put it into large-scale production. They've got a lot of gadgets in it for the youngsters, so they'll, they'll all go for it, I'm sure. And then once you're used to that for a few years, in comes the chip. It'll seem quite natural, won't it? To the non-thinkers, that is. Many, anyone, anyone who goes for this stuff is a non-thinker in the first place. Can't save them. Well, that's it for tonight. It's been a rushed hour, as always. From Hamish, myself, and Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.